Thanks for tuning in to the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suju Organic, where we inspire, educate, and provide advice and insights around those who are in the sports business and entertainment industry. Please follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram at Life in the Front Office. And don't forget to follow and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Lastly, get your 15% off Suja at sujaorganic.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O, and enjoy today's episode. Welcome to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. Excited for our industry insight series here with the clubhouse. And I've got a guest on today and Tom Theodorakis, the Senior Associate AD for External Operations at Army West Point Athletics. Excited to talk to him about uh, not only the college athletics landscape, his career path uh, in, in getting there, and then also how things are changing and opportunities uh, within the landscape that currently exists as it, as it does today. Um, Tom, welcome. Thank you, Jake. Appreciate you having me. Absolutely. So excited to just talk about not only your career path and your journey, but you've been a couple of different places and trying to um, understand from you, what does the college athletics landscape look like when you entered the industry uh, compared to what it does today? A lot different. A lot different. Um, you know, I, I think what's interesting for me as well is I was also a student athlete at Syracuse University. So I think for me, I've been able to see it change not only from a perspective of a student athlete, but also as an administrator of the last 20 years. So, um, you know, I think you've seen a lot more, especially recently with uh, NIL and the transfer portal. Those are things that just didn't exist back then, wasn't talked about. So I think in many ways, it's a positive thing, but it's certainly top of mind right now in regards to any athletic department in the country. And when you were setting out as, you know, being a student athlete, did you ever think like, yeah, this is a career path for me as you worked with maybe other administrators during your time as an athlete? You know, it wasn't, to be honest. Um, you know, I think, and that's many ways why I came back to college athletics. You know, it had such an impact on my life. Um, that structure, I'd say that path, you know, I, I think I'm a living, breathing example of somebody who's benefited from that NCAA model. And I think by the time I graduated, you know, I, I, I thought about, Hey, what does a career in athletics look like? Um, because it had such an impact on my life. I, I wanted to have that type of impact on others, you know? So I thought I knew what an AD was, you know, I saw people on the sidelines in suits, you know, I didn't really know what it was, you know? So I think, the advice I give to, to those that are looking into the industry is, you know, get out of your comfort zone. I think for me, I had grown up in New York. I went to school in New York. I, I went to a place that would, any place that would take a chance on me. You know, I knew if I can get my foot in the door and prove myself that I could work my way up. And that was something that I grew professionally, but also personally. You know, I think you move to a different place. It grows on you. You, you I think in many ways, getting out of your comfort zone is a very good thing. And I think college athletics in many ways does that. And it's also a very competitive business, you know, so it's not something where there's tons of opportunities around. So I think if someone's willing to take a chance on you, no matter if it's in any state, any part of the country, I was going to go just because I knew eventually maybe I could work my way back to the East Coast if that's where I wanted to be. But I think it's, it's a business that you kind of go where the opportunity lies. 
So as someone who also had kind of the desire to go out, spread their wings, you know, figure out where the opportunities took them. And then um, I kind of strategically also had that, hey, how do I get back to the West Coast? How do I get back to Phoenix? And it didn't necessarily have to be Phoenix per se. It just, you know, and it happened to be that way where I grew up and and it's mm-hmm. awesome and amazing. But, you know, centrally located right around family, friends, the lifestyle you want to live, et cetera. How do you operate going to a place, taking a new opportunity, knowing that's in the back of your mind strategically of like, okay, I'm not going to stay here forever because I know I eventually want to get to X place, but, you know, I'm going to go here for two, three, five, six years, whatever it is, um, enjoy the experience, make the most of it, and we'll see where it goes from there. Yeah, that's a good question, Jake. And I'd actually... I'd, I'd go in with the mentality in general that this is going to be the last job you ever have. You know, I think it's important whenever you make a commitment to a, a position and in an institution or organization that you put your best foot forward, that you, um, you know, look at the opportunity that, you know what, I might be here for more than one, two, three years. It might be something that you fall in love with. So I think any opportunity that you look at, yeah, you know, maybe in the beginning, it's something where this could be temporary, but I think more often than not, in some of these stories I've heard, people wind up, you know, meeting their spouse or end up falling in love with the place and saying, you know what, this is home for me now. So I think having that in the back of your mind um, that, hey, you know what, eventually maybe I want to head back is is a good thing, but I'd be careful about putting a, a timeline on it. And you've been able to move around quite a bit, as you mentioned, you know, Arizona, yeah. UCLA, Harvard, you went to school at Syracuse, right? Like, so you've gone from coast to coast in terms of the transition and actually moving and, you know, what's called earning the equity in or the human capital within the organization that you go join. What's it like? What's your approach in terms of hitting the ground running, making the most of it, getting to know the people and, and really proving yourself you know, time and time over again. Yeah, that's, it's not easy. And it's not something that happens overnight. You know, I don't, I don't have the most attractive answer to this one, other than it takes a lot of hard work. Um, and it's something that there's no secret formula other than you just have to be deeply ingrained in it and really work hard to develop genuine relationships with people. And I think what I've been able to try to grasp early on is show how much I care, show my work ethic, how much I'm invested in it. And, and I think I, I t- it's an old Conan O'Brien line, but I use it all the time. It's, you know, if you're, if you're kind and you work really hard, good things happen. And I, I kind of go back to that often where it's not the most complex formula. doesn't mean it's easy, but it's something that if, if you show that you're a good teammate and you work your tail off, you know, good things happen eventually. And no matter where I've been, I've tried to instill that from the beginning. And as you may have gone into an interview and you try and express your work ethic, I think that's something that I feel like there's two things that people try to get across the table that's very difficult, right? Passion and work ethic. It's like, well, yeah, everybody works hard, but to what extent, right? Or to, you know, what does working hard mean to everybody? It's different. Passion, same thing. Great. You say you're passionate. Okay. Well, what does that actually mean, right? What, What do you enjoy about the passion? So when you try and explain those things to somebody, in an interview process or, or whatever it might be, how, how do you frame it? Yeah. So I I think in this instant, it's actions speak louder than words a lot more. You know, I think it's using examples of previous institutions where 
you know, doing stuff that's outside your job responsibilities, you know, hey, you know what, I'll clean the storage closet. I'm not afraid to do that. You know what, I'll be the mascot. I've done that before, right? It's not in my job description. I'll wear a smelly costume. You know, it's it's those things that you raise your hand when people need you that, you know, hey, you know what, we need help here. Who could step up? Sometimes it's not the most attractive thing to do. Sometimes it's not, uh, you know, something that, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm real proud of it sometimes in the sense of like, it's going to help me gain a ton of experience, but it's what's best for the organization at this time. You know, I think those are things that you're just willing to step in whenever you need it in whatever role it may be. As you kind of went through your career, development seemed to be a pretty uh, similar theme across, you know, most of your roles, right? As you've continued to grow, what's, what attracted to you or what attracted you to fundraising? And is that still a path to climbing the ladder to being, uh, you know, a senior associate of, of external or an AD or deputy AD? Is that still kind of the uh, path that most take to get there? I think it helps, you know, revenue generation was just a path that fit me, I think, based on my skill set. But I was always inquisitive and just trying to figure out all aspects of an athletics department, and how it operates. But certainly that area was one that fit me pretty quickly. The opportunity to just build genuine relationships with people, whether it was ticket sales, fundraising, sponsorships. It's always an area I enjoyed. Um I'll tell you, it's one of the few areas where there's actually a scoreboard, you know, so it's, you're able to tell pretty quickly your impact. So in, in some instances, you can kind of show, hey, I took, you know, something from here to here or the percentage increase while I was here, you know, certain initiatives you can measure. There's measurables, there's KPIs. Um, so I do think it's part of the equation to be an AD now, but I think there's several examples now where whether it's compliance or, you know, even academics, facilities, um, there's a lot of pathways to become an AD. And I think there's a lot of, I think it's it's one of those positions now where you look at an AD, I think you gotta be a Swiss army knife. I think you have to have a lot of different areas of expertise or at least experiences in a lot of different areas. And, and that could change and evolve depending on the priorities of the institution. But I think being well-rounded and I think that ultimately provides a good foundation to become an athletics director. And as you would ask students, hey, what do you want to do, right? Or grad grad school students, hey, you know, I want to be an AD, right? Like that's same kind of line you probably hear is I want to be a GM or I want to be a president, whatever the case is. Do you get to a certain point and do you have other peers, you know, that you work with across the country that get to a certain level and they go, I don't want to be an AD anymore. I want to be this. What, what are conversations that you have with, with other peers and people that you've come across that go, yeah, maybe I don't exactly want to do that, even though it might have been the dream that they set out to accomplish? Yeah, it's it's a good thought. I, I'll tell you, it's it's definitely a business of attrition. And I feel like at times where you know, it's not easy. It's it's hard to balance your life at times professionally, you know, personally, you know, you are working weekends, you know, oftentimes you're working when other people are enjoying their time and the discretionary income. So, you know, it's that old adage, like during the game, I have my back to it. You know, I watch it the next day, usually when I DVR it, you know, so it's in many ways, it's, it's a tough balancing act. Um, but also priorities and life changes. And I think like no greater example of that than COVID. 
I think when everyone was going through that, it was, okay, what are my priorities? What's important to me? Who's going to take care of me as far as, you know, a workplace environment, health and wellness, all those things, I think people change as they grow older. And, you know, sometimes college athletics still makes sense where people want to raise a family in that type of environment. And sometimes it's, you know what, it was a great life. I learned a lot. I'm on to the next thing, the private sector. They probably want to make more money and work less, which I understand. And as you see people kind of go from college to pro, pro to college, you know, as you mentioned, private sector, different consulting, whatever case might be. If someone's listening to this and they're they're in pro sports right now, or they're at a consulting agency and they decide, hey, I want to go, I want to go, I want to go to college athletics. I want to, you know, it's evolving as a business. There's opportunity, whatever the case might be, but I don't have any college athletic experience. How do you storytell around? And again, every situation is going to be different, right? But like, generally speaking, if you're coming from outside of college athletics, what are the things that you maybe need to understand or talk to people about to be able to speak the language, to be able to have those conversations and, and get a foot in the door? Yeah, I think it's really important to understand the higher education model, you know, and, and what it is and, and understand that you know, the mission of a university and the idea of providing a first-class experience for students and or cadets um, and believe in that philosophy, um, especially on the academic side of things. But I will tell you, I think in regards to hiring, at least for me personally, like I've always focused on, I think those experiences only help you if they're more diverse and dynamic and different. I've always looked at that as a positive. Um, you know, especially I'd say here at West Point, I definitely focus a lot on this, you know, quote unquote soft skills. It's, uh, you know, are you a good teammate? Are you a critical thinker? Um, you know, a good problem solver? You know, how do you handle adversity? Those are things that no matter what job or what environment you are, you're in, you know, that, that, that provides value and there's cross pollination in a lot of that. So I think what we do is not rocket science. You can learn it. But I think, you know what, if you're a great leader, you, you can motivate people, all those types of things. I'm definitely personally more open to someone who has those diverse experiences. I think it's a positive thing. Um, but yeah, there's certainly some things like you need to get equated to. And there's a learning curve sometimes working in, in higher education. But I, uh, I see it more and more of it's something that is certainly possible. I think I'll also add to this. I think one of the best parts about our job is like people are just willing to pick up the phone and talk to you, you know? So if there are individuals like, Hey, you know what? I, I, I want to have that job one day or that individual, like, I really like how they act. I like their demeanor. I love how they speak, et cetera. I think what's great is you can find them. You can email them. You can reach out to them. Most of the time individuals will respond. And I think that's something, no matter if we're rivals, you know, I, I'm more than happy to, to talk to somebody just to say, Hey, how do you handle this situation? Or, you know, how do you get to that rule type thing? And I think in general, people are very accepting and warm to helping others because we've all been in their shoes one day. Yeah. There's no quote unquote secrets of the business, right. That's going to 
yeah. drive someone else's stock price up or, or whatever the case exactly. is if you're yeah. you know in a in a different industry mm-hmm. uh, i think everybody's all after the same thing to help the student athletes to drive revenue etc um while also you're in your own you're in your own market right like no one's no one else is in your market in that sense and and right. you can pick up the phone and call someone at air force or yep. um or navy right and and have those conversations mm-hmm. as you think about uh, being a fundraiser and, and obviously you have to be a good question asker and not only a good question asker, but a good listener yeah. uh, within the fundraising space. How did you go about mastering your craft, you know, being a good listener and everyone just says, okay, well, yeah, you got to be a good listener, but like, how do you actually practice that? Like, what are the things that you have intentionally done maybe over the years or that you've learned from others uh, to be just a better individual, better fundraiser? Yeah, I'll go back to just it's a relationship business. And I think no matter if you're in, you know, marketing, ticket sales, development, compliance, you know, you're dealing with coaches, you're dealing with campus partners, external constituents, you have to be good at developing relationships. And I think for me, you hit it right on the nail on the head. I think being a good listener is just really, really important. I think being able to really understand people's motivations, um, who they are, what makes them tick, you know, those are the things that although seem simple, um, you know, you'd be surprised uh, how rare it is sometimes. So I think what I've learned is, you know, develop genuine relationships when people get to know them, get to know what, what inspires them, what, uh, what are some things that, you know, they're looking to do? What are some, what's the impact they're looking to make? And trying to connect those dots throughout that process, you know? So there might be opportunities available within the institution to say, you know what, I thought about you. Hey, I've been thinking, you know, you, you mentioned this last week. I think it's taking good notes and just follow up and just being a really good communicator. I think oftentimes people think the ask is the hardest part. I think actually, if you do all those other things prior to that, most of the time people ask you, how can I help you? You know, so I think oftentimes just developing the relationship and getting people to know you and trust you, that's sometimes the hardest part. The the ending is sometimes the easiest. No doubt. And all those small things add up, right? And, and 100%. Yeah. Um, the patience of building that relationship as well it doesn't all happen overnight. You know, even as you mentioned, getting to where you are, right? It doesn't happen mm-hmm. overnight either. As you think about where college athletics is heading and the changes that you've seen, right, through your journey and and the evolution of just the business as a whole, because you mentioned that at the beginning, right? It's like it's it's a business. It's yeah. it's more than just. Um, higher, you know, higher education and, and the experience of the student athlete, how, how are roles evolving? How are de- athletic departments evolving just in terms of focus areas and resources? And, you know, there's obviously a lot going on around everybody in terms of conference realignment and all that sort of stuff. But just generally speaking, if you're, if you're listening to this and you're like, where are the opportunities within college athletic department in the next five years, right? To be able to make an impact or um, to learn a new area, what, what areas are going to potentially evolve? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I think um, there's a lot of different areas that just continue to change and evolve. And I'll just even say like, even the content and storytelling business, you know, you look at, all the amazing content that athletics are 
departments are putting out right now, all done internally. Uh, the amount that's being invested in video and creative and social media, um, trying to be ahead of the curve on that front, you know, that's exciting space to be in. And I think the reach too, right? You talk about how much you, you can get your brand out there and it's hitting all these different constituents across the globe. I think that's something that's very, very exciting. I think as we continue to evolve around NIL, I think that's a space that we're all learning. And I think there's tons of opportunity there of how to um, you know, work with name, image, and likeness and how to manage that process. And um, you know, I think even compliance and some of the internal stuff is how you, you know, working within your institution to make sure you are following best practices. You know, I think gambling is is something that's you know, prevalent across the board, whether it's college, high school, it's all over, you know, what are you doing to make sure you're providing an environment that's, you know, following the rules and having, you know, boundaries in place to educate students, coaches, et cetera, about what that looks like. So I think across the board, it's exciting, but it just continues to evolve. And I think uh, as an athletic director, or administrator moving forward, I think it's important to make sure you're just trying to do your best to understand what those areas look like and how they continue to progress. What's the biggest difference in the student athlete experience now compared to even when you were a student athlete yourself, like now that you you're, you've been on the grounds at a bunch of different places, what's the biggest difference in the experience as a whole? Good question. Let me think about it. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, as you, as you think about just the college athletics world as a whole, right, it's, yeah. it's continuing to grow where uh, if you think about, okay, I want to work in pro sports. Well, there's four major leagues now, right? Fifth, yeah. right? There's 30, 30 or 32 teams, right. right? There's so many, some extent, like the opportunities are limited. Yeah. Then you look at the thousand plus division one schools, mm -hmm. D2, D3, et cetera. How, how does someone navigate even just starting their search of, okay, I want to work in college athletics. What's, where do you start? Do you pick a region? Do you pick a type of school, a, a size of a school? You know, you've worked at an Ivy league yeah. to pack, you know, pack 12 to now, you know, uh, um, an Academy, right? Like where, yeah. where do you start? So that's a good question. You know, and I think for me, I, I think it's important to go to a school that you kind of align with in some ways, right? So understanding the mission of the university, the values, the leadership, the people. Um, I think all of that is very important when you're doing a research about an institution because fit's important. You want to work at a place that you believe in, that you um, ultimately want to be part of that vision moving forward. Um, I do think there's a lot of opportunity. And I think oftentimes, whether it's an internship or entry-level job, I think sometimes the most important thing is figuring out what you don't want to do rather than what you do want to do. And I think as you progress through, whether it's interviews or just some of these positions, I think the idea of trying to wear as many hats as possible, and that's kind of my motive in the beginning, working at a smaller school, it gives you the opportunity to have more broader focus where you have your hands in a lot of different things. So when I started at Air Force, it was writing press releases, but it was also selling tickets. It was also working the, you know, club spaces and hospitality areas. So, um, you know, working a lot on the marketing side. So I got to kind of realize, hey, 
I like this part a lot. I definitely don't want to do this part. So that kind of helped me narrow down a little bit what I wanted to do. But I also encourage going back to the point earlier, you know, pick up the phone. You know, if, if let's just say you're in the Northeast. I know when I was in Boston, you know, you could draw a 50 mile radius and circle around Boston and you can get, you know, 30 schools, right? So you can talk to Bentley or Harvard or Boston College or BU, Northeastern. Try to figure out what environment potentially you would like. Uh, ask questions. I think that's that's part of that whole interview process, but also fact gathering process and figure out what gets you excited. Do you have to be an alumni of the school? I mean, that, I think that's also an interesting part as well, right? I mean, you haven't gone back to Syracuse to to, to fundraise, right? So it's I think that's also a tricky question where people maybe get hung up of, do I have to have gone to the school to fundraise or do anything there? I, I don't believe so, but I will tell you, you need to be fully vested in it. You know, I think people will see right through you if you're not genuinely invested in that program and organization and the success of it. All right. As we start to wrap up the episode, one last question for you, and then we'll get to rapid fire. Yeah. Uh, as, as you've continued through your career and, and become a leader now of, of others and, and mm -hmm. having to kind of keep a pulse on all of the different departments, right. And what they do and learn. And there's people who are subject matter experts in their yeah. area, right. That ultimately funnel up. How do you best go about, you know, keeping yourself apprised of, you know, best practices and things that are going on and leaning on others that, you know, are the experts in their space and, and so on and so forth. So I think that's exactly it. I do lean on others. You know, I think I try to hire people and let them do their job. And, and I think ultimately try to communicate with them to understand what do they need from me to be successful? Do they have all the resources they need? How is their day going? What are things that they need to help fulfill, you know, their, what they're trying to accomplish, you know? So I think for me, I try not to spread myself too thin, but also provide an opportunity for those that I oversee to create an environment where they feel that they have, that they're empowered, that they can make decisions. To be honest with you, that they can make mistakes and that's okay. You know, I think activity is not a bad thing. And if we make mistakes, we make mistakes, we own it. But I want people to feel like they're in an environment where they can work and that I have confidence in them. And, you know, I think I'm also not afraid. I try to build an environment where we're not afraid to, you know, try something new, you know, to, to break out of that mold and, and, you know, throw something against the wall and see if it sticks. I think that's what's the best, you know, that's, that's the fun part of it. So I think we try to create a creative atmosphere where we welcome ideas. We want, we want diverse experiences and voices where we want people to challenge the status quo, especially at places that really have strong brands, you know, a place like the United States Military Academy, which is has a very strong and long storied history, but we're also not afraid to try something new. And I think that's that's what's exciting. All right, rapid fire, are you ready? I think so, let's go. <laughs> if you could have played a different sport in college, what would it have been? Golf. Golf? Yep. There's a course that you haven't played before that you'd want to go play. What is it? The old course in Scotland. Oh, going across the pond. Yeah. All right. Um, if there's a campus that you have not been on yet, 
but you, you know, you've seen pictures, you know, people who work there, whatever that you just want to visit, what would it be? I have not been to Ole Miss. I've heard that's a fun tailgate game day atmosphere. Favorite stadium to go to since you've worked across multiple different places? Yankee Stadium. Oh. Arena? Arena. Uh, Mikey Stadium, West Point. All right. Last one for you. If you could go anywhere in the world, where would it be? Greece. Greece. What are you doing in Greece? I'm going to eat well. I'm going to be in the beautiful blue water. Have some fun. Awesome. Tom, really appreciate all your advice, perspectives, insights. Uh, super helpful and appreciate the time. Jake, thank you. Appreciate all you do for the industry. Absolutely. Thanks for tuning into today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. Remember to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Subscribe and follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram at Life in the Front Office. And don't forget to get your 15% off Suja at sujaorganic.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. And stay tuned for next Monday's episode with a new guest and new content.